I'm David Cross, and you may know me from my election integrity work, but I also own U.S. Asset Management, a family-owned and operated investment advisory practice. I'm a certified portfolio manager, and my job is to help you make better decisions with your money. One of the things we try to avoid is investing in companies that push the woke agenda. If you're invested with one of the big firms out there, there's a pretty good chance that you're feeding the beast that hates your values. Our company is 100% conservative, and we'd love to have an opportunity to work with you. Check us out at us-am.com and look for our big, proud American Eagle logo. Welcome to today's podcast. I think today is January the 7th and I sound like a broken record but what a time to be alive and what a time to be in podcasting and whenever I fear that a year might start slowly and we have little to talk about, oh my goodness, am I always wrong? So two topics we want to talk about today because they will resonate with US audiences. There's duplicity of events across either side of the Atlantic. First of all, the German farmers. So it was just that. Uh, so it started with the Canadian truckers, whose valiant um, resistance was, uh, had its back broken by unleashing weapons of mass financial destruction. Then we had the Dutch farmers that were even shot at by the otherwise very, very um, kid-gloved Dutch police. Now we've got the German farmers standing up and getting spectacular pictures of the ferry of a minister being chased back to an island where he was vacationing in northern Friesland, in Germany's northernmost state of um, Schleswig-Holstein. We're going to talk about that. What does it mean? Where, is the, uh, where is, are the eerie parallels with the uh, developments in the United States? And one thing we don't want to forget, Poland, because that's where Todd just came from. And the establishment got their man back in power. He's getting a big a big attaboy, and we're going to talk about how that is, that the WF and the EU and whatever other establishment um, forums we have are welcoming their men back into power. And with that being said, well, first of all, Happy New Year, um, all of you. And I hand back to Fabian because he's closer to the events of the German farmers. In a nutshell, Fabian, what has happened with um, that, that minister I've just um, outlined and what's going to happen tomorrow, a thing we haven't seen in 1948. Do you take yes. it from there, Fabio? Well, first of all, I want to say Happy New Year uh, to you guys. Happy New Year to your audience, to our audience. I, I hope you had a great Christmas. I have to tell you that I um, uh, spent the Chris this year's Christmas very much in... Um, I tried to make mass on every... Uh, important dates. So I was on the 24th, the 25th, the 26th, and yesterday, January 6th, which is Epiphany. 
So uh, we celebrate the coming of the Lord. So it, and, 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 it, and I have to say in these holy days, it's a real blessing to be at church because you realize that amongst all of the um, maybe exciting or terrible or political upheavals, we in the end belong to a different kingdom, all those who belong to Christ. So I think that's a wonderful reminder. And with that being said, let's dive right in. Okay, what happened uh, just a couple of days ago here in Northern Germany? Well, the German economics minister, <clears throat> Robert Habeck, was on vacation on the North Frisian island of Hallighoge, small island. In order to get there, you have to take a ferry. He took the ferry back to um, a small port where he was met by a, I would say, hundreds of enraged farmers with their tractors, basically, for, I mean, the classical image, the farmers with their pitchforks, who um, used mob mentality, let's be honest, and prevented him from entering uh, the land, which caused the ferry to turn around, to go back to the island, and he finally reached shore around 1.30 in the morning when all the farmers had left. Back sneaked back then, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Basically, say they said this fruit just left. He's he's a wimp. He doesn't want to talk to us. Blah blah blah. The point is this: the the backstory is the following: the German government made the grave mistake of miscalculating their budget. So Germany has some kind of a budget crisis due to constitutional issues. What is the constitutional issue? Well, um, the German government constitutionally decided. Uh, about, oh, I don't know, 10 years ago, to enact something which is in um, called the Black Zero. You are not allowed to make more debt. Germany is, the German fiscal policy has been very much um, focused on not piling up all amounts of debt so that future generations have to pay this off, something that Obama or Biden absolutely in the United States do not adhere by. But I, I do admire at that point, and quite frankly, this was done under Merkel and her former um, uh, finance minister, Schäuble, who just died, who administered quite a strict fiscal policy. Now, the um, current government, the leftist green government, decided to use tricks to go around and they thought, well, they will get their budget passed. The opposition sued in the constitutional court and the opposition won, which meant that now the German government was in a fiscal hole and they had to basically fill the gap. Which meant, what do governments do when they don't have money? They raise taxes. So they ra started raising taxes on, and this was a political calculation, on all of the constituents that don't vote for them, meaning farmers, right? So if, if you're going to pick on somebody, pick on those that you don't, uh, that you are not going to receive votes from. And they were not going to cut any of their um, uh, welfare handouts because the German welfare handouts, Bürgergeld, citizen money as it's called, has quite substantially been raised under a leftist government. I wonder why. And interestingly enough, this has been the magnet for all the migration that you're seeing. So people are migrating to Germany. Why? Well, because if you're getting free handouts and lots of money, 
um, then uh, what a great place to migrate to. So instead of cutting any of those, they decided to tax the farmers. They decided to get rid of any of the um, subsidies for um, diesel, any, I mean, look, we know the scheme, right? If you want to pick on farmers, you got to use your eco scheme. So uh, it's bad for the climate. So the farmers are an annoyance anyways. Well, interestingly enough, they did not take to this lightly. And so they took it to the streets. And in December, there were pretty large protests in Berlin already. But they decided that January 8th, so Monday, January 8th, tomorrow, for the whole week, their goal is to shut the country down. They are going to block highways from, in our region here, from Hamburg all the way to Denmark. They're going to block intersections, roundabouts. Um, they're going to try to make sure that in this country, any logistical, um, uh, especially um, stacking up um, grocery stores is not going to happen so that the people start feeling this. And you have to remember, it's not just the farmers, but you have any companies that are in supply chain, business, logistics, anything like that related to food. So um, this could have serious impacts. Oh, and by the way, who's striking tomorrow as well? Oh yeah, the the uh, the um, train engineers. So you might not have any trains running. So Germany tomorrow, January 8th, if anybody's in the country, the country's gonna be pretty much shut down and we'll see what happens next. But this is a big implication because farmers are not just people who they try to call as crazies. These are you know people that work the land. These are serious, business owners. And uh, if you mess with the farmers, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. At, I mean, I would argue about after a week when people don't get their food, it's going to get serious. So we'll see what happens. But this is quite an interesting development. And the last point is that the farmers that are um, protesting their high taxes, it's not just the taxes. I mean, these people want to get rid of this leftist green government that we have. This coalition is called the Traffic Light Coalition because the parties that are in it are the colors red, yellow, and green. And everybody says the traffic light is done. The farmers are pretty much the, um, in my opinion, one of the tipping points. And interestingly enough, we have a lot of party establishments along the way which could completely blow up the German political landscape. So 2024, gentlemen, I have to tell you, is probably one of the most interesting political years that we have ever lived in. So back to you, Christian, back to you, Todd. Yeah, so Todd, please um, chime in and ask any questions. Um, well, I was gonna say your article is up on cdm.press right now, people can check it out. Uh, so please do that, goes into in depth what's happening and thank you for that um i guess my question is is it real um is this going to last is this a tipping point uh or is it like the dutch which will be shut down and they continue to destroy europe i mean what is what is the answer so um i mean so in terms of is it real mm -hmm. is those are two, that's true for is it real yes so mm -hmm. unlike black lives matter unlike all the uh, uh, climate <coughs> lunatics it is grassroots <coughs> i cannot highlight enough how much of a grassroots movement it is even the the whole bit that fabian mentioned were 
the farmers caught wind hours before the minister was going to arrive in the port and word spreads quickly these days, especially in that part of the world where it always has spread quickly. It's a very rural, very somewhat remote community along the seaside. And it's probably um, one of the most agricultural German states. And so they, it was all spontaneous. They were all there. There is no charismatic figure in the German farmers movement. There is no central uh, coordination. It's highly regionalized, which can be both a strength and a weakness. It's harder to shut down. But, you know, in terms of coordination, um, it, it's also uh, more difficult. So it's very real. It's very grassroots if, if we ever saw it. Um, will it last? Well, we have to see how far the government is willing to go. Um, I mean, it, it was interesting in Canada. So the government did unleash, unleash um, the weapons of well, financial mass destruction. Um, and in, in some ways, even in, in terms of, but they didn't go any further than that and then they didn't need to. But I mean, I, I'm gonna say one thing, when it came to COVID, and, and sort of probably the most flagrant example was Austria and then Germany uh, riding its coattails, where they were thinking about making the vaccination mandatory, like really stab people in the arm, literally. And in the end, they chicken out, they weren't willing to go there. Um, I mean, the authoritarian they may be, but you know that those are not hard people. Those are not like the old Bolshevist people who were in and out of prison for decades. Mm -hmm. So that works in the favor of whoever actually um, organizes resistance. I, you know, I don't have a crystal um, ball, but I'm reasonably um, confident that this is here to stay, especially as the amount of German farms has plummeted. I mean, um, some sort of five-figure digit of farms have been given up over the last 20 years. So, so I mean, essentially, I mean, even my extended family, I still have farmers, and they all essentially tell the same story. The, the smaller farms give up and the bigger farms get bigger and bigger. Um, so let, let's, let's see what's going to happen. But obviously, as I hinted at the beginning of this podcast, the establishment takes it very, very serious. And Fabian facetiously used the word mob mentality which is exactly the term that politicians use very, very quickly, a mob of angry farmers. And obviously, and in this show, I'm going to have one request, Todd. We need to have a button where we can um, echo the, the phrase insurrection. And yes, you guessed right, insurrection has been used by the Minister of Agriculture. I mean, it's funny enough, Robert Habeck is the Minister of Economy and Climate, um, and um, but he's he's the big guy that everybody's targeting. Why? Because our actual chancellor, Scholz, is such a non-entity that nobody like really protests him because everybody knows that's not where the decision is made. Our minister of agriculture is that the tiny sort of green guy, a, a out and out vegetarian um, that nobody takes quite serious. I mean, they just shout, shout him down. But it's Harbeck because everybody knows that he's the decision maker. But it was that. Um, that Minister of Agriculture, no charisma, no influence, who then came out very quickly. And was, that was this big moment on Twitter saying they weren't interested in agricultural issues. They were just there to, to start an insurrection. An insurrection, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and obviously the, the head of the Farmers Union also, also distanced himself from that. 
And if I can shine some light on it, and again, shameless plug from my side, if you go to my article on CD Media, um, I've linked to a couple of video recordings. I mean, one of the blessings of these days that people can record and post it. And the German version of Tucker Carlson, Julian Reichelt, has posted it on the internet as well. Well, you can see there is a group of maybe 200 or so people, mainly farmers, but even some freight forwarders, truckers, as Fabian pointed out, were amongst them. And then, as always, it, um, it goes in, 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 in the, it's a human condition. You had a couple of rebel rousers shouting, let's get on the ferry. And you had roughly 30 to 35 people pushing on the ferry and the police pushing back. However, once the police pus pushed back, that's where people left it. There were no eggs being thrown. There were um, no actual blows exchanged. So it was kind of a very German thing. Let's push. And the police pushed back. They backed off. And there was this wonderful policeman, a strong sort of northern accent, that said, OK, folks, um, there are two ways this can go. Um, either we clear this with 100 policemen or we offer a delegation, three of you, to come on board. And people were like, no, we all want to, A, communicate with them, and God knows what happens to us if just three of us step on board. And the minister was nowhere to be seen. But at no point was the minister threatened. At no point did it uh, cross the threshold to violence. And actually, the police were honest about it. The police didn't use the phrase violence. I mean, I saw brilliant policing, brilliant German policemen, non-confrontational in the local dialect talking to folks. But then obviously the powers that be in the further away capital of uh, Kiel, um, the pro public prosecutor is now prosecuting because of trespassing and, and, and all of these kind of things. So, and other figures of public life announced, we're gonna clamp down on this sort of violence with all the might and all the toughness of, of, uh, that the state offers. Which, you know, I mean, and then I said, there are the eerily familiar parallels for every American uh, viewer. What, what does this remind you of? And I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of these rebel rousers popping up, <laughs> looking a little too much like farmers and a little too new in their outfit. <laughs> um, I'm yeah. being facetious, but who knows? Like the uh, khakis and, and, you know, Nazi shirts in the U.S. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, I mean, I mean, I shouldn't laugh because for the people who were actually jailed for what actually was trespassing in the U.S. Capitol, it's no laughing matter. But the laughing matter starts when you even watch the footage and you're like, even I can play that game, spot the fat. Yeah, that guy <laughs> who tries a little too hard. And then so, so who knows? Um, I don't think German state authorities are competent or ruthless enough for that just yet. But who knows? But but yes. So so the. Just to repeat, the, the, the table is set. We had the farmers spontaneously, actual grassroots movement showing up. There was a bit of a scuffle back and forth, but it wasn't actual violence. But obviously, we now have the insurrection talk. And we now have something that Fabian pointed out that we didn't have since 1948, a general strike. When was the last general strike in Germany? 1948, that was when the new currency um, had been introduced, the Deutschmark replacing the Reichsmark, and people, and our then Minister of Economics, who was actually a professor of uh, economics, the unsung hero, Mr. Erhard, did something that's much under-discussed. Under so people are like, oh, the Marshall Plan, we need a new Marshall Plan. Well, I'm like, sod the Marshall Plan. The Marshall Plan was always a myth. 
um, pretty much um, perpetrated by. I got something for you. Does this work? We can run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get an insurrection. Everyone gets one. Exactly. So, so <laughs> returning to the Marshall Plan, and then I quickly brief Lucas what he missed and get get his take. Um, as sort of um, uh, the the Austrian perspective. So, so the Marshall Plan was always a myth. Or, oh, that rebuilt Germany, and that's why we need a new Marshall Plan for X, Y, Z. And I'm like, no. Our minister Erhard did something very remarkable. Then he. At that point, we had price controls and price controls did what they always do. They actually make goods such as food scarcer. And he then abandoned price controls when all the allied commanders that were governing Germany at the time were in their weekend break. And he abolished them. People protested against that um, with, the, uh, with the last German general strike. Turns out he was right. And the Wirtschaftswunder, the economic miracle of Germany, commenced now. Lucas, we, we, we just went through what happened and what didn't happen in that harbor where the minister ended up being chased back. We were um, at the part where we said, look, it didn't cross the threshold to violence. The police said, uh, said as much. But obviously, the public prosecutor in Kiel was like, well, uh, it was still trespassing. And obviously, many politicians were like, insurrection. Now, for you, Austria is similar yet different. For you as an Austrian, I think you guys are similarly unstrike. You're similarly, or not, like Germany, you're not very prone to go into strikes yeah, and seeing true. this. That's so what, what are your thoughts as an Austrian seeing, so, seeing this? So firstly, what we got to say is um, what they did with Robert Habeck wasn't really like trespassing, which is Landfriedensbruch in German. It was rather breach of the peace. Now, now, this, this is uh, so you've got Hausfriedensbruch and Landfriedensbruch. You know, pu the public order has been has been attacked. Now, my question is, which public order? Keep in mind that no one cares whether people who are who are getting stuck in traffic due to these climate strange people uh, return from vacation or whatever. Suddenly, Robert Habeck returns from some island vacation. It was like, oh, you know, they. They kept him from returning from his vacation. Now, no one literally, like no one cares in the rest of Germany um, when there's people who actually work hard and like Robert Habeck get stuck in traffic for some other reason. Now, coming back to the Austria question, um, that's pretty funny because Austria is, the, or used to be the country in Europe with the lowest amount of strike days, which is due to the so-called Sozialpartnerschaft or social partnership. So they're like, there's a lot of legal hoops that um, anyone needs to jump through until they can strike. Uh, there needs to be a lot of um, discussions that fail. There needs to be mediation that fails. There needs to be another mediation by politicians that fails. And only then are you actually allowed to go on strike. So Austria only had one attempt at a general strike, which was by the Communist Party in the late 40s. And gladly, it did not work. So... You can't really compare the Austrian and the German situation at this point. Like, I also think that um, when, especially politicians at the center and center left, um, um, say that this is some kind of general strike, it is not. You've got three groups of people who are protesting. You've got um, you've got farmers. You've got um, people in the trend, like um, in the shipping industry. And the third one, you've got people from the uh, like um, hospitality industry who are like supporting all this. Now, 
Um, I'm sure Christian and Fabian already went through what they all suffered, right? Um, maybe we focused on the farmers, but you can uh, you can well, actually the like we, focused on, we focused on the taxes more. Okay, yeah. so so the reason why from tomorrow on the uh, the the shipping industry is also going on strike, and like uh, truckers are trying to strike, um, like shipping companies try to strike is from November on. I think it's either November or December twenty twenty three on. Uh, the German government has decided to actually raise taxes um, or to raise the street use um, fee for vehicles 3.5 metric tons and above. Now, it used to be the way that you only needed to pay um, these taxes or, or road excise, basically, um, for vehicles 7.5 tons and above. Now, everyone, you know, even your local Amazon Prime distributor, the, the sub, 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 um company needs needs to pay a lot of money just for road usage now keep in mind that um this really makes it all more expensive um, when it comes to shipping because um all these companies they really have such a small um profit margin they really can't pass this on to uh, consumers but if they unless they pass it on to consumers um, what they do becomes less profitable now the left-wing traffic light coalition is going to tell you, oh, this is against, um, this is what we do against um, online shopping and stuff. It is not. Um, it is simply to reduce Germany's industrial output. It's simply to reduce Germany's industrial capacity. Uh, Germany has been, uh, the German output of um, carbon dioxide has been the lowest last year since the late 1950s. Now, why is that? It's obviously not just due to modern filter techniques. It's because, to keep Robert Habeck's words, uh, it's because so many companies have not went bankrupt. They just decided not to produce anything anymore. Now, uh, this is the second group of uh, people who are on strike. And this third group, the hospitality industry, they suffer from a re-increase in tax. Now, if you go on X, former Twitter, uh, there's a huge battle between left-wingers and conservatives. We're like, when conservatives are like, oh yeah, the tax is being raised from 16 to 19%, uh, the BAT on food and stuff, um, left-wingers are like, oh yeah, but it's just being re, uh, it's being re-increased. You know, it's just that the the temporary, um, the, the temporary, um, what do you call that? lowering act um, is simply um, elapsing. Now, the question that I'd like to ask is, why do you need a 19% value added tax at all? Like, um, Todd, if you're frying a schnitzel, what's the reason for the government to take 19% of what you earn from that schnitzel? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so um, the, uh, right now, the situation in Germany is, is a really odd one. Um, unfortunately, the, the train drivers announced that they're only going to strike from Wednesday on. Now, I was actually looking forward to a train strike, a truck strike, um, the farmers blockading the motorways, um, and hospitality people on strike from tomorrow on. Um, just because I want my office to be for myself only, you know. Unlike most Americans, I walk into my office. Um, but it's it's really going to be an interesting situation. So I think tomorrow we're going to see the first consequences, and on Wednesday it's all going to be 
even more interesting. And what's going to be most Look, Lucas, do you do you think do you think that if the, I mean I don't find today's Western societies to be very um, initially to be very tough and 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 in resistance. Uh, so in other words, you know, the, when 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 the war with Ukraine broke out, everybody mm. thought, well, all these sanctions are going to break break Russia's back. Well, it didn't, right? The Russians said, no, we're just durable. We can handle this. We're used to it. Yeah. Whereas Western societies just aren't. I mean, if you shut somebody's cell phone off for about a week, they're going to go berserk. So the the question is, do you think that these strikes, these farmer uprisings could cause a political upheaval in, in the sense that the traffic light coalition might break apart, they might call for new elections, or do you think they're actually going to cling on to power no matter what? See, until yesterday, I would have assumed that there would be a situation where the Free Democratic Party, the um, the market liberals would actually leave the coalition, thus the remainder of the coalition not having a majority in Bundestag. Um, they just... Well, they succumbed to whatever the left-wingers from SPD and the Green Party promised them for them to um, keep up and to, to support this huge social cost or whatever they want to call it. Um, as of right now, I think we're going we're gonna to see a situation where many people and more and more people are going to ask or are going to claim and ask for the uh, government to step down. They're going to ask for SNAP elections. Keep in mind that as of right now in Germany, SPD's got 14% of the um, of the vote in polls. The Green mm -hmm. Party's got like some 12%. 13. 13. 13 and the I think the Free Democrats, they have like 3 or 4%. They're now, at, right. Whereas so the IFA is at 23. Yes, exactly. Now, less than a third of the German population supports this government. Now, Germany is a country of people who never go on, like, yeah, there might be a strike, but they won't go and riot. Why is that? You know, and unlike California, people are not rioting. People are not stealing everything but sunscreen at CPS for some reason. Um, in Germany, you will never see, like, huge riots. Um, you will never see people taken into the streets asking the government to step down or something. Um, unfortunately, at this point. Um, so what's going to happen is that we're going to see two more years of economic downturn. We're going to see the climate-friendliest years um, in German post-war history, in my opinion. And in, like, I think in late 2025, we're going to see an election, and unless anything else happens. You're going to see an election which CDU probably ends at, like, 25% AFD probably also 25 to 30%, I could really see AFD taking the first place in this. You might as well see um, a Werteunion party. You know, there's, right. been, this, there's been this thing um, where the Werteunion, which used to be like a, like a right-wing subdivision of the Christian Democrat Party, trying to split off simply because they didn't support um, the people who were in there. Um, Fabian Christian know that um, Hans-Georg <clears throat> Maasen, who used to be Germany's, uh, like Germany's president of the Constitutional Protection Service, which is like, it's, it's like the German FBI, you could say, some some kind of. Um, 
he ran for election in 2021 in his um, in his how do you say you know Wahlkreis what do you call that constituency constituency uh, yeah and his own party didn't support him his own party was like oh Mr Masson you lost your social democrat what a pity you know um, Christian Democrat Party um, they've lost their spine the Green Party never had any spine like. American viewers, American listeners, look up the history of the German Green Party. Look what the um, look what they supported initially. Um, look at the people like Daniel Cohn Bandit, and you, you're going to see a lot of awful things, in my opinion. Prob probably, so, but, uh, Christian, let me just um, mm -hmm. just finish it. I think you're not going to see any change in Germany. You're going to see that the Green uh, that the coalition. They're trying to make some, yeah, they're going to try to make some compromises. But I think um, certain groups such as the um, such as the farmers, they're not taking it anymore. But other people like uh, normal people who are simply employed, they're not going to, they don't have any representation in government. Like um, people lose real income. This is, I assume, the third year in a row. Keep in mind, Todd, um, the German wages and salaries increase by roughly 2 to 3% every year. Um, the inflation has been like between 6 and 8% for the last two and a half years. Um, have you seen anyone taken to the streets? And if you see the, the, co the people who are protesting against being locked up in their apartment complexes during COVID, these people, sometimes old people, like retired people, have been beaten up by Berlin police, like with, with batons. The same people who beat up old people with batons um, have themselves um, thrown um, pyrotechnical articles like basically bombs thrown out and they do nothing about it you know um if you're if you're a palestinian if you're a refugee if you're a foreigner you can come to berlin you can uh take your anger to the streets because you're only earning 500 euros and get your apartment paid for by the government and the police are going to be like oh sorry well we're not going to do anything about this but if you're an old person, make sure to wear some knee protectors because the police are going to kick your knees. Okay, Yeah, and I think that that's a good point. Obviously, um, just just to highlight, I mean, we pointed out initially, so the difference between the farmers and the climate uh, loonies is essentially one is the grassroots movement and the farmers very much are. There's no coordination and uh, they're not getting the kid glove treatment. Obviously, there was even a television series that somewhat glorified on taxpayers dime that somewhat glorified the people who glue themselves to the tarmac. Before we pivot to the other topic, Poland, and then handing over to Todd, because some remarkable stuff is happening there. Just very, very just a very brief uh, statement from, from you guys. Just a couple of sentences from each. 
the one thing, obviously you mentioned how the AFD is surging. How likely do you both think it is that they might actually ban the AFD as they have? Um, Very unlikely. Okay. They're speaking of it, but I mean, that is that. I mean, here's the thing they're saying. I mean, I, I listened to a politician, by the way, from the Christian Democratic Party say, in, if you were to ban the AFD, it would give democracy breathing space. I mean, you got to be kidding me. What <laughs> We've the heard that hell in is democracy? But the question is, party, oh, so that most you can Germans breathe. realize that, that that's BS? Do they? Yeah, or are they? They their eyes and they're doing like. Well, the yeah. press, the press of, I mean, the press. You, you actually have one of the state <clears throat> television channels which completely uh, signed on to to these statements. I mean, they're 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 basically pushing an agenda here. Um, the uh, the Zweite Deutsche Fernsehen (ZDF) they did a little report on it. So the the Social Democratic Party is really pushing the the idea of. Um, of, of, of banning the uh, AfD. But look, this is this is like this. I mean, I, I guess the same Ponzi scheme. They all have one playbook. And in the US, you use the mechanism impeachment. In Germany, you try to ban a party. It just but it, it, it seems I mean, don't they realize this is backfiring? So from a legal standpoint, but Lucas can get this better. It's not going to happen. They're not going to ban a party. I mean, how pathetic is this? And the, the, the only thing I will add, though, um, look, there are three um, state elections in Germany. For some reason, they always call them regional elections, but it, they're state elections in the in, in the state of Saxony, Thuringia, and Brandenburg. The AfD is leading in every single state in the polls, and especially in Saxony, they're gain they're near forty percent. The the SPD yeah. is not would not even make it into parliament. The Free Liberal Democrats FDP would it. not be in parliament. So, from a majority standpoint, the AfD could govern that state by their own right and over 50 percent of germans believe that this is the year where the ifd will take power in a state parliament um which also will have implications for the federal level because our system works by on a bicameral level we have the bundestag the the lower house and the bundesrat which is the upper house somewhere like the senate somewhat um but they will have veto powers there so of course, the established parties are just peeing their pants. And they're, the only reasonable idea they come up with is banning their opponents. I mean, but you got to don't, be don't think that will happen. No, it will not. Lucas? So uh, I don't think that the AFD is going to be banned either. Um, they had a really good article in Frankfurter Allgemeine um, recently where they discussed that AFD now has roughly 40,000 members, that more and more members of AFD are in like, um, you know, public office, like not, not elected public office, but like where they, where they work in authorities or something. And in my opinion, this is basically describing pretty well what's happening. AFD is just they're becoming too big to fail. Um, it, it's like uh, to compare it to the Austrian situation where the where you have the um, FPÖ, the free the the Freedom Party. Um, even in the lowest time of FPÖ, um, FPÖ sat at like fifteen percent because it's their core electorate. Fifteen percent of Austrians will always vote for this party. Now, with AFD, the same thing is happening with roughly 15%, 10 to 15% of the people, I'd say. And 
Where you can see how this is really making a difference is in the so-called negative Sunday questions. So in Germany, the Sunday question or Sonntagsfrage for the German um, viewership, it's the poll in which they ask you which party would you vote for on Sunday if there was a Bundestag election, a federal election. Now, the negative uh, Sunday question is which party would you never vote for? And AFD used to be like 80%. 80% the German voters said, I would never vote for AFD. Guess what the number is now? It's 50%. It's 50 to 55%. So that means that even the worst case for AFD, 45% of the German electorate could see themselves vote for AFD. Now, to put that into perspective, um, that's roughly the same level um, that the Green Party has. According to INSA, which is an electoral institute, 44% of Germans, such as myself, um, could never see themselves vote for the Green Party. Now, you would never talk about uh, banning the Green Party, would you? So AFD has arrived in the center of the society. Well, it's kind of, let, let me just jump in. It's kind of like what's happening with Trump. I mean, they can't let them in, right? So what, what yeah, happens? Yeah, exactly. What happens? I mean, you know, here exactly. we're... We're wargaming, yeah. yeah. you know, cyber attacks, you know, terror attacks. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So now, what is, no, they, you say it's not going to happen, but what what is the alternative? Um, well, there is an alternative. That's a great thing. Now, um, if if you take it to Twitter or X, uh, there's a lot of people who are like, um, yeah, you're going to see agent provocateurs um, from the constitutional protection and from the left. We're going to try to take this farmers' protest into something right wing. You know, built newspaper, which built um, was supposedly the the semi conservative work like the working class newspaper that was against the, the Green Party, you would say. Um, I myself enjoy not reading Bild, but I like the podcast that's being published by the former editor-in-chief by Bild, Julian Reichelt. Now, um, he was kicked off by Bild um, for some, well, societal issues. But what I'd like to say is that for some reason, Paul Ronsheimer, the guy, the guy who always puts on a helmet and goes to Ukraine makes makes a ridiculous podcast. Like the the guy's just odd. Um when it comes to the, the climate people, he's like, oh yeah, these young people, they're really not nice when they uh, when they do all that um when they do all that sticking glue to the street. Um, now guess what the terminology is that Paul Ronsheimer uses when it comes to the people who blockaded um, Robert Habeck, a politician going back to his office, which like that can happen to all of us to, all the time. If I weren't walking to the office, would I complain about the farmers tomorrow blocking off the main street? No. Guess, guess what Paul Ronsheimer said? Insurrectionists? Yeah, it's, it's, it's plebs. It's, it's the mob. It's the evil people. And now, this is just ridiculous. This guy earns his money just from all the insurrectionists um, subscribing to his freaking newspaper. And then he's literally, um, he, he's a traitor. He's literally a traitor. Um, he's not interested in German interests. He's not interested in um, European interests. He's just um, supporting Ukraine, 
maybe Israel, but keep in mind that no one cares about Israel in build suddenly, even though Axel Springer, the guy who founded the whole media conglomerate, was a staunch supporter of Israel, as we all are, after all. But um, today's built newspapers, like Flag and the Wind, they're like turning twice a day, depending on where the wind comes from. Now, I think this is really disappointing. Um, when there's left-wingers taking to the streets, destroying this country, um, destroying this country officially, like just like Robert Habeck does, keep in mind, the bakery is not going bankrupt. They just don't have the money to produce any pieces of bread right now. But maybe in five years, they do. Maybe when the <laughs> maybe when they went through bankruptcy, you know, maybe after all, they do have their money later. But these people are being touched by, as you, Christian, call it, uh, chill, like kids gloves, um, like um, silk gloves. They're not being they're being held accountable. But farmers who are really keeping this country um, not up and running, but at least um, they keep this country full. They keep our stomachs full. They try to fight Ukrainian farmers who produce cheapest stuff. Uh, they try, um, like, they really need to try so hard only to survive. And here comes the uh, Traffic Light Coalition, takes away, takes away their subventions that all other European countries give them, um, take away certain um, diesel tax, um, tax exemptions, etc. And suddenly they're traitors. Like, that, that doesn't work out. How, how can some climate people who actively try to get people kicked off their jobs because they try to make companies disappear, they try to make companies go bankrupt, whole industries go bankrupt. Everything's normal when they do it. But when farmers say that they don't want to die, that they don't want to give up, out of nowhere, they're like, treated like terrorists. I think that's, that's pretty much a a good segue into our other sorry, bit. sorry for this rant once not, more not, not, but not, not too this, not this is all this country's on a brink once more and like last thing um when we compare austria and germany the difference is austria has a conservative and green coalition but the green party in austria they know that certain things can't happen or else this country will go bust the German Green Party apparently enjoys the thought of this country going completely bust. Yeah, and I think that's that's how we. It's called you, growth communism. But, well, yeah. and 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 that's something, Todd, that you've always yeah. been 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 asking us, or or basically the question that you're advocating, like, is this on purpose? And when you look at the um, the people that are in charge. Um, I mean, you know, you have the, I mean, this is always one of Christian's favorite topics that at the ministerial level, so the secretaries, the ministers, they're, they're pretty much very stupid or low IQ, but the people who work beneath them, who actually are in charge and in the German system, they're called state secretaries, the people that actually govern. Um, if you look at their biographies, guess who they worked for? BlackRock. You have several BlackRock uh, former BlackRock employees who are in high state positions in the German government and Greenpeace lobbyists. So, so you basically have lobby organizations. And um, as as a German, I mean, yes, BlackRock's a U.S. company, but for me, it's like it's a, that that is foreign infiltration in a, in a sense. Foreign um, companies that um, 
people who've worked for foreign companies now are uh, in 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 high positions in the German government. So I, I um, got I, I got one thing. I got one thing. Jennifer Morgan. You know Jennifer Morgan. Maybe. She was a Greenpeace activist, right? Yeah, she. Yeah, well, she used to be Greenpeace. Uh, she used to be the the head of Greenpeace in Germany. She's an American, so she can't do anything in the German government. Well, Annalena Baerbock had her naturalized um, in an an expedited procedure, only for her to become a state secretary now. Right, in in the German Foreign uh, Department. In the right. Yeah, she's doing all yeah. the climate negotiations. She's not a German. Yep. yep. I mean, dear viewers, if you ever well, she is now, but normally she would have taken another six years to become a jerk. I mean, if you were and ever under an illusion that we weren't a satrapy, a satrapy used to be a province governed um, at the behest of the Persian um, emperor, then now you have it. It's it's very clear. But let's segue into one bit, and I'm kicking the ball over to Todd. Interesting, just talking of satrapies. Talking about the new darling of the internationalist elites, Poland. Now, obviously, Poland um, wasn't getting certain subsidies that were meant to to bridge um, the, the difficult times after the lockdown for COVID. They were sort of sanctioned by not being given those subsidies. But suddenly Donald Tusk is back at the helm and they're getting that. Todd, you were to Poland recently. What can you tell us about what's happening there and how suddenly... They're getting the right nudges. Good boy, at a boy for for well, uh, You know, yeah, I was there several a month ago, I guess. Um, and my my the title of my Eurobyte short was the coming the looming destruction of Christian Poland, and I think that is obviously happening. Uh, I spoke with you know, I, I there's a divide in Poland, and they called it the youth quake, where the PIS, the Law and Justice Party essentially kind of overextended themselves and um, and lost power, although they didn't, they're still the majority block, but they did not, they they lost the, the youth vote and that's a problem. Uh, and I think a lot of it is uh, kind of hubris in power for a long time or whatever, but they were not connecting to the youth. And, and, and so I was at a, an event, uh, I think it was the, New Europe Foundation or something like that in, in Warsaw. And I asked, we're sitting in this gorgeous building, very high end, uh, you know, just very comfortable plants everywhere, you know, expensive furniture. And you look outside and it's clean and there's no homeless and everything works and the Wi-Fi is wonderful. And, and I, I looked at these kids and I'm, you know, I say kids, they're late twenties. And I said, what, what, you realize all of this is going to be gone in a few years, right? Because of your policies, because you're going to start bringing in millions of people who are, don't believe in your culture. And so, Oh no, that's a conspiracy theory. I mean, that's literally, yeah. what that's true. So um, I find that shocking. And unfortunately I think it's going to play out. No. When you were taught, there's an interesting thing, like some days ago, I got a notification by the New York Times in which it said that um, here, African migration to the U.S. source as Europe cracks down, where, where they argue that um, Europe has become so unwelcoming to Africans um, that these people are now going to the U.S. through Central America. Well, just, yeah, just, well, uh, they, uh, that's, uh, that's true. I mean, we... we... 
we have an epic battle on our hands here for the next 10 years yeah. to try to rectify what's happening. But Tusk yeah. is definitely a bad guy. He's uh, I agree. I agree. Destroy Poland. He started the process. He's yeah. getting pats on the back, as Christian says. And yeah. you know, that's, in my view, that's what's going to happen, unfortunately. That, that's true. And there's, there's another thing, like, I, I don't want to um, support the Frankfurter Allgemeine too much. Sometimes they also, um, like, they're a centrist newspaper, and sometimes they take, like, a left um, turn, but mainly they're an okay newspaper. So in mid-December, um, they reported on a Polish news um, reporter who um, criticized the fact that um, certain reports on these um, refugees or rather just migrants on the Pol Polish-Belarusian border, and keep in mind, I do say Belarus, um, like in, in Germany, I would not say it right now, but um, they, were they were discussing this thing, um, how all the migrants were suddenly described as women and children and how they were all so poor. And suddenly when the election was over, uh, this this woman was asking in a left-wing newspaper in Gazeta Biborca in Poland, they're asking, did we exaggerate? Did we did we basically uh, tell the PIS party that everything was wrong despite better knowledge? Now, um, the one thing in Poland that's interesting is that if the if the current coalition does not manage um, to pass a budget in the next weeks, well, that's true. There, there are, will, there, are there will there will be snap elections, and I really hope for snap elections to happen because what that's we've seen from has to spread. He has to get yes. his, and so there the, the the I think the I forget the name of the party because there's three of them in the coalition. I think it's the centrist or something like that. No. I, Anyway, I can't remember the, the name of the party who's really kind of went into the coalition, but is almost a, uh, a right of center party that if if they could pull their their votes. Uh, if they oh, I, I know which one you mean. Um, anyway, uh, keep it, so yeah. at that same conference I was at, I they were all and it's, I looked at the, uh, the the people that were literally from the Polish government, the Polish foreign ministry who were speaking. And um, they all were, you know, climate change director, blah, blah, blah. If you looked at their yeah. LinkedIn thing. So I, 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 I made people really uncomfortable. This was, I was like the bad, <laughs> ugly American, right? And I said, so Germany has literally destroyed their energy industry and they can't function. Their manufacturing is declining. And here you are looking to focus only on green energy, which doesn't work. It's only available 30, 40% of the time and can't handle, you know, steady loads when everybody gets home from work and not to mention manufacturing. And the, the, the quiet in the room was just, oh my God, he said it, you know, it was like, it was amazing. And then the, the, the anger on the faces of these women in the Polish government, they were looking at me like who was literally like, daggers you know it was it was hilarious but I mean, they walked around the question well you know we're aware of you know it's going to take some time blah, 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 but you're still pushing all this bullshit so you know i mean there are a couple of amazing things buried in in, in there and also sort of between the lines of what you just said and then i'm going to point them out and then probably uh, then probably we'll wrap it up but so a poland is definitely the new darling 
or especially of the American establishment. And that can be seen in a variety of ways. So mm. Poland was always the biggest opponent of obviously the North Stream pipelines. And obviously those were blown up. But not only that, Poland is the quickest growing European economy, but still it's one of the biggest takers of European subsidies. So you've got Germany, which is economically in the decline, but it's at the same time, Poland receives an inordinate amount of the European subsidies. And obviously it's one of the biggest winners of the, um, and in spite of all the climate um, pretensions that you mentioned at that conference, a lot. The, the irony is a lot of the German non-existent, um, just on paper existent green energy is actually produced in Polish coal-fired power plants. So Poland mm. is that like there is a double whammy. So that there's there is one country by the fault of its own elite in decline that subsidizes another country that's on the up. And just to highlight to viewers how much Poland is on the up, um, it at the current pace they said within ten years it will surpass probably less than 10 years the, the uk in terms of gdp so there's one country being messaged and there's another country that's being massively pushed down because for one reason or the other it doesn't quite so geostrategically western germany used to be at the frontier or uh, of the cold war that was the place that needed to work out right the bulwark against communism but now germany isn't in the in the right geographical positions also it started to, to quite annoy um, american manufacturing because the germans wouldn't deindustrialize as all the other countries dutifully did like the uk like the united states you know you faxed your jobs to mainly mexico and china the uk god knows where and but germany was still the one that stubbornly wouldn't just 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 become a modern service economy and by the way, now they're in the right, wrong spot anyways. And it's really amazing how empire building and, and, and keeping satrapies uh, in line works. And probably just for some final thoughts, because we're bumping up against the hours, back to, to you guys. And uh, yeah. Let me give one example that I found striking. You know, Polish is a very Catholic country, at least the older people. And I was in an office of lawyers at an NGO. And... This was like in another planet that this happened because this obviously would never happen in an office of lawyers in the U.S. And it, we're in a meeting and the, and the clock chimes and they say, oh, we have to get up to pray. And they walk out in the hallway and 30 lawyers, you know, say a prayer, or, you know, Catholic liturgy or whatever. And then they come back in the office. OK, where were we? I was like, wow, that is not that is going to be destroyed. And it's a shame. But it's so beautiful, you know, and it just, I was in another planet. Amazing. Wow. Final thoughts, Lucas and Fabian. I think that was a beautiful example of what we need to defend. Well, well I think I that uh, Todd's oh, story first. really emphasizes that, um, uh, it, I mean, uh, you know, um, I, I, I believe in the power of prayer. And um, I think the best prayer that anyone can do is to, <laughs> Pray for the restoration of Christendom. And who knows what role the Visegrad state, so Poland and but Poland is the most faithful one of those, uh, will play in the and, and probably Hungary after that will play in the near future. Um, so we'll we'll wait and see. But Poland is the country in Europe to watch. It's gearing up to have the biggest military. Um, 
However, um, I do watch somewhat with a worried eye that Poland will be the front driver to really continue this 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 war with Russia. So um, we That's shall see. What... Point. Let me just say they're very very, and that was the other, my, um, you know, cow dung I stepped in in the conference as I highlighted the fallacy of the Ukraine war, and that was a big no no. That was like no 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 we're we're fighting for freedom don't you know exactly I I think outside of foggy bottom Washington D.C. Poland is probably the spot on earth that is the most pro-Ukrainian and and in this right that's that's true see and this is why we this is why we need to support farmers like Kamian um let me let me know when I can add my final thoughts. No, I, I, I think, uh, okay. you know, I, I've basically um, said everything that I want to say. I just think that it's, 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 a, it's an interesting year that we've entered into. And I think it's going to be a lot of political upheaval. And um, I think we're going to have to do podcasts on a daily basis because so much is going to happen. You can't cover it on a weekly basis. But that's, that's just my part for, for today. So, uh, thank, thank you so much. So I think um, if there's one group of people we should pray for, if there's one group of people we should support, it's the farmers, be it in Germany, be it in Poland. The Polish farmers keep the European market free from Ukrainian imports that have no quality check, that might be um, contaminated with a depleted uranium ammunition, um, and that are super cheap. And you know what? Donald Tusk would like to beat them all off the border uh, checkpoints to Ukraine. And now, you know what? Robert Habeck, he'd like to beat all these farmers off the, um, the ferry posts. So let's support the farmers in Germany, in Poland, in all of the EU and in the US. Amen. And um, with that, final words to, to, to the, the host of, of the show, Todd. And uh, then very much looking forward to the next episode where all we have talked about today will be such old news and we'll be living in yet another totally different world no no but no, hold on we will be the first one to have covered it so tomorrow when people start chiming in they'll say hey eurobytes already did it so that's true that's true well have you guys um i'm looking for a uh did you guys see the video that the ukrainian state television played on orthodox christmas eve Yesterday, I did not uh, talk for a second. I don't watch Ukrainian TV. I'm sorry, Todd. <laughs> yeah, well, this was pretty shocking. You guys, talk for a second while I load this up. Um, go ahead. Give me, give me a minute. We'll yeah, give you a minute. Okay. Um, it's like, by the way, I can tell, I can tell the public opinion is slightly um, shifting away from Ukraine. It's like, um, in, I think at one point, uh, President Zelensky overdid, like he, he overplayed um, the cards he's been given. Well, he's um, what he's going to Argentina now to to look for help, right? I, I mean, if you, look, if you look at Argentina to, to help you, I, I don't know I if think they can ask Auckland <laughs> Island. But, but, I mean, just but, but you, know, you know what? You know what, Fabian? It's January, and January in Ukraine is pretty cold. So going to Argentina for support seems to be pretty logical. So <laughs> if I was My great-grandfather also almost went to Argentina for support, only to not return. <laughs> Topic for another podcast, um, but but I, if I was a betting man, um, like just just outside what we just discussed, 
where do you think um, uh, Zelensky will end up? A, the Cayman Island. B, <laughs> the United States. C, somewhere in Italy at Lake Como or wherever his property is. Or D, uh, in a Russian prison. Like if you were... I was about to say Vorkuta, you know, this, this camp in like northern Siberia. But... Um... I, th I think um, Mr. Zelensky is doing a pretty bad job now to refuse elections because, you know, even, like despite the fact that the Putin elections are obviously not 100% democratic, but um, even Putin does elections, you know, um, I think it's, I think Zelensky really didn't do himself a favor by being like, oh yeah, now it's not the time for elections. Perhaps okay. that's that's something in the in the uh, in the playbook of uh, Western democracies that they're going to use that in the fall. But, you know, the other thing we could predict regarding Zelensky is, do you think he might be a speaker at the Democratic National Convention along with some other Ukrainian <laughs> war veterans? Let, let me play this. This, oh. this video was played on Orthodox Christmas Eve on Ukrainian state TV yesterday. And it's 40 seconds and then I get your thoughts. So there's nothing like some demon television the night on Orthodox Christmas Eve. Why? I'm so you... happy that these people have not been hit by a caliber missile. Glad that we could see this TV rendition. Why, why do you give Putin so much incentive to continue this war? You're proving his point. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's just, I'm still flabbergasted. But, by but this is kind of like a <laughs> Pfizer sponsoring those, uh, what was that, those demonic dances on, on the Grammys? Uh, nurses TikTok, you know, during the COVID, it's the same. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, Thanks, the, the Jerusalem or something. A yeah. satanic gospel choir. I mean, yeah. like this is this is the the export of 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 the the global American empire. Why? I mean, and what what does your average Ukrainian think? Like your well, the your average Ukrainian guys Orthodox Christian. Let me give you his comments. He said, "Please post this." The only one remaining channel in Ukraine showed the video of hell creatures singing Christmas carols like hell wishes. This is on Ukrainian Orthodox Christmas night. This is during the war. This shows the real face of the TV dictatorship in Ukraine. So that's from a Ukrainian in Kiev. So that's what they're thinking. It, 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 those who are awake are, are aware of what is happening. So um, it's... I think this is really sad because the, the people on the street, they don't support this. The, the people who are being bombed, they don't support this. Um, the, the people who are being drafted into Ukrainian military, they probably don't support this. Now, these are my last words, I promise. Um, you, you know, Germany's got some issues um, trying to save money right now after the, after the federal constitutional court ruled it. Um, unlawful to take 60 billion euros from the COVID emergency fund to put into climate crap. Um, guess what? Built in a in a positive thing suddenly fi found out we could take 800,000 Ukrainian men who are who are draft dodging and who are taken 
taken German unemployment cash and put them back to Ukraine so we're going to support Ukraine and save money for the German government. And I think this is great. depopulate Eastern Europe at the same time. So, well, well, Todd. After all, it's you know it's the German government, and the, this time the Green Party cheers for German tanks in Ukraine. This yeah. time it's going to work out. Promise. Yeah, yeah. Probably one one final tidbit that I learned on the weekend, and it's one of these things where you see that sometimes elites, the, our current elites, are not all joined up. Actually, they're various rival factions, and secondly, they're not all that smart, unlike sort of the Tony Blairs of the olden days. Um, so. If, as a Ukrainian man, you're, you're draft dodging, as Lucas said, you can't be extradited. So even though we are like all for Ukraine, we don't extradite their, tax, their, their draft dodgers. However, if Russians come over and dra dodging the draft, um, and you would think, oh, yeah, that's totally going to weaken them. Ha, 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 ha. No, they, they, they get extradited back to Russia. So, so, so yeah. And, and I guess one final note for American viewers, um, this satanic rendition of Sisters Act that we just listened to was also paid by your tax dollars being hard at work. And I have yes, back to sure. talk and we sure. can well, I wrap think, up. I think that's it. Any last comments or I'll close us out here. And Christian, we still need, well, I've got the, uh, the intro and the extra built, but uh, um, let's continue to develop Eurobytes podcast. So Anyway, with, have with us forming a gospel choir. Based yes, on there you go. <laughs> Let's do it. Take care, guys. A happy New Year yeah. to the readers. Bye. It's going to be a really exciting one. Yes. Yeah.